Oh, you're very welcome along to the gardening program here on Midwest Radio. Saturday morning, we're on the 1st of May. Porik, good morning to you. Good morning. Happy Georgia. May Day, happy May O Day. Good day yeah. Happy lots of days. Happy lots of days. And a beautiful day. And, and uh, again, as, uh, as it seems to be every Saturday, a touch of frost again uh, this, this morning. So um, again, people, just a little warning to people to, to mind those tender plants and keep them inside for, for another couple of weeks anyway until the frost certainly pass. But yeah, May 1st, it's a great, there's a great tradition going back to the Celtic times, to the 19th century um, of picking yellow flowers in particular oh. on May Day and spreading them on neighbours' uh, thresholds, on doorways and on windowsills. And it was a great tradition in Castle Bar. We had a, a gentleman by the name of Leo Shocknessy uh, who up, up, passed away, unfortunately, this year, but mm. up until, and, and in his mid-80s, but every year his tradition was to pick the yellow flowers before dawn and spread them on his neighbours' uh, oh, windowsills. And, and and the tradition was to bring luck. Okay. The yellow flowers signified luck. the start of summer, um, and bringing luck and, and kind of that old tradition. Oh. And that 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 he kept going for for many many years. And uh, sadly, he passed away this year. But um, to mem to for to 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 remind us of Leo to and as uh, commemorate you know his his life. We're actually going to once restrictions have been lifted after the 10th of, of May. We're going to plant some native Irish trees up around Loch Lana in memory of Leo. Lovely. And that tradition is carried on now in Castlebar today. So if people see bunches of yellow flowers, cowslips and dandelions and maybe some daffodils or even yellow furs, yeah. anything yellow flowering at this time of year is uh, is used to signify that special day on the 1st of May. I've never heard of that before. It's absolutely the loveliest tradition. It's a, it's a great tradition, and it's not—it's not just for Mayo. It's right. actually—it's actually nationwide. So you okay. yeah. So it's a real old Celtic tradition, um, and 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 has some farming connections with butter and milk and and that kind of old tradition of of wishing people luck as we come into the uh, summer uh, season, yeah, a good harvest and more bountifulness and all, all of, the of rest that. Of, yeah. yeah. So Leo Shocknessy kept that tradition alive oh, in Castlebar, and the people of Castlebar. He lived in Market Square, and people would often remark on. May Day that see the flowers right. on the doorways and windowsills and remark, well, who put them? And he'd, he'd put them out really early in the morning and so mm. they'd be there as people got up. So that tradition is going to continue. So if people are in Castlebar today and they see the bunches of yellow flowers yellow. around the doorways and windowsills, you know what... You, you know, know what, what it's about. You know oh, where that came just... from. So later on this month, we hope to, with the help of Mayo County Council and, and Hawkins, we're going to plant uh, trees to commemorate his memory. Well, that is just a, a lovely, lovely idea and a lovely way to celebrate his life. And it's great to hear that that tradition continues. Absolutely. Yeah. Another key little point uh, for our listeners, Deirdre, um, we're going to try something new this week. Do tell. So on Wednesday, this Wednesday, um, May 5th at uh, half 12, I'm going to do a live gardening demo on Midwest Radio Facebook page. Oh, very good. All things. So Alan and Brendan are, are actually coming to my house, to my garden, and we're going to do a demo, or I'm going to do the demo, uh, showing people how to plant up hanging baskets, window box. So it's a live uh, video feed to the Midwest Radio Facebook page this Wednesday, half 12. Uh, if people want to be reminded of it, the best thing to do is to jump onto the Midwest Radio Facebook yep. page after this programme, of course. Of course. And like the page and you'll be reminded then as soon as we go live. So maybe put it in your diary this Wednesday, half 12, um, a live session for about an hour. I'm going to do things like hanging baskets, patio planters, what 
plants to actually plant into containers. Also a little bit about growing for some of your five a day. We're going to touch on wildflower seeds because it's been a great um, Brilliant. question. Lot, lots of questions on the show. And also we're going to feature some of the best cottage garden plants to plant this time of year. So, you know, it's always difficult to describe the plants that we bring into studio. So here's an opportunity to see us live. Uh, I'll be physically planting the plants. You can see them. I'll be able to talk about them. And we'll also take questions as well because we will be live and Alan will be asking me questions as I go through the demo. Super. And we'll do some questions afterwards as well. Okay. Well, the so, very, very best luck. I'm, something I'm, different. I'm, I might even get a chance to tune in myself at some point. So it's this yeah. Wednesday, yeah, May 5th, at, uh, half, half 12. 12, half past 12 for about an hour and it'll be live on Midwest Radio Facebook page. So these are things for people to be reminded is to just jump on and like the page and uh, yeah and give it a follow and then you'll uh, you'll get a reminder then automatically once we go live so hopefully the broadband works and uh, oh I'm sure we'll have no gremlins on the day and the weather and the sun shines now speaking of weather we are promised uh, reasonably good weather today and tomorrow it is changing Sunday night into Monday back to the rain uh, and showers for next week so this weekend would be an exceptionally good time to start feeding plants. And, you know, the frost certainly has uh, held plants back, particularly hydrangeas and Pieris forest flame and even hedging plants. Its growth has been certainly very, very slow at the moment. But with the rain coming, it would be an opportune time, uh, particularly with the next two dry days, to get mm-hmm. some lawn fertilizer on or indeed just to feed your garden shrubs. So if your plants are looking a little bit stressed, a little bit marked with the frost, it's a good idea to give them a feed at this time of year, uh, particularly with that rain coming on Sunday, Monday. So kind of plan for that. Terrific planting weather. So even with a little bit of frost, the frost is mainly grass frost, so it's not penetrating the soil. Um, So planting conditions certainly are excellent and the ground has actually dried up really well, but there's still plenty of moisture in the soil. So, you know, the planting of trees, shrubs and hedging plants can certainly still continue. Don't plant out any bedding plants or anything that's sensitive to frost. Mm -hmm. But apart from that, so most of our cottage garden plants like lupins and delphiniums and alstroemerias, they can all be planted uh, certainly over the next couple of days and into the next couple of weeks. So uh, really good planting weather. And I brought you a couple of plants. Yeah, so we've better, we have a bit of colour. And these are sort of frost hardy ones, These are they? frost hardy. And uh, this is a lovely little plant called the slipper plant or calceolaria. And it produces these air filled. So the, the flowers are actually filled with air, like Beautiful. little baby uh, balloons. Uh, you can actually squeeze them and um, it, it emits the air. But it's a really easy plant to grow. It's a plant called Calceolaria. They come in shades of yellow and reds um, and two-tone colours as well and beautiful for adding a bit of colour. And of course, they're perennials, so they're going to come back year after year. But there's loads of little flower buds down here yet to flower. So plants like that can be certainly planted. And mm. I brought you in another scented plant this week. This is one of the scented Nemesias. It's absolutely lovely. It's got that lovely vanilla okay. smell and really easy plant to grow. Again, a lovely plant for a pot container. Um, and again, it flowers literally from now till November, and October, November. Quite a pre- it's coming into flower now. There's quite a profusion oh, beautiful uh, scent. On, the, uh, on the front there. And, oh, and it you gives can really terrific see colour. All, yeah, you can really see all of the buds coming on. Yeah, it's so a really... Nemesia. Nemesia, that's a, a hardy outdoor, um, well, one that can be planted this time of year for summer colour. And then Alstroemerias, of course, can be planted as well. So a lot, lots of good, really good cottage garden plants that are frost hardy that can be planted now. And, and soil conditions are certainly ideal for um, the planting of plants. Also, 
also terrific weather for the sowing of new lawns. So if listeners are tempted, they've got the soil ready and they're tempted to put in the lawn seed, the little bit of frost at night time won't affect it uh, whatsoever. So if you are at that stage of tempting to sow a new lawn mm. or repatching bare patches in the lawn, exceptionally good weather and indeed good weather for sowing seed in general so the seed of vegetable plants like carrots and parsnips and cabbages and so on can be sown directly out into the garden soil at this time of year so lots to be done lots to be done and you know it is a bank holiday weekend as well so that always signals maybe a little bit of extra time to uh, spend in the garden and on these tasks and uh, probably very prudent to take this particular bank holiday weekend to do that because um, then you're obviously going to be able to reap the rewards come July and August and absolutely all the and particularly today and tomorrow use the, the dry weather to actually get on top of those jobs you know the hoeing of weeds the feeding of plants um, the planting of plants because with the rain on Monday then it'll wash all that good work and the, particularly the fertiliser into the soil or into the lawns and you'll get the best benefit of that. So make use of the next two days I suppose is really my advice. If you do see some damage, plants damaged by frost, yeah. um, lots of questions in during the week about hydrangeas in particular, forest flames, um, you know definitely the frost has set them back. Um, it's only a temporary setback. They will grow again. A little bit of feeding will bring them back. Um, so, albeit that the, your forest flames may have been burnt with the frost or the hydrangeas, the tips of them, they'll regrow again. Grisolinia, the hedging plant, that's showing a little bit of damage. So anything that's slightly tender, particularly young growth, you'll see a little bit of frost damage. Just trim it off, give it a feed and they'll be perfectly fine. So, But don't let it put you off planting hardy plants. They can certainly get it, into the, it, the it, soil now. And it won't affect them. So, Porik, two questions this morning. Mm. Uh, good morning, first one. Uh, would appreciate if Porik could identify a problem with a house plant. Leaves are getting dried up at edges and young leaves not developing. It's just drying up and dying. Have tried everything. Now, I don't know. I think this may have uh, come in with a photograph, but it came to text. So maybe that person might be able to send that question again to us on the WhatsApp. Yeah, would be the best get way. A, get yeah, a better look at, at that. There's no photograph. Yeah. I mean, drying of leaves can be lots lots of different reasons. Overwatering, underwatering, um, dry air, you know, against a radiator, those sort of, and, and really depends what, what the plant is. So maybe, yeah, send it in the WhatsApp. Lovely. Uh, now, I have two acres of land around my new house. Right. Briars are taking over the ground. I want to know what's the best way to get rid of them? Well, it depends on the extent of it. I mean, briars have a very loose rooting system. So if you've got a couple of briars, say, growing up through a hedge or uh, that are easily scuffled out, you, you'll scuffle them out but with a sharp spade um, and scuffle the roots out. So they're not deep penetrating roots on briars. They tend to be scuffled out quite easy. Obviously, if it's a larger area, you will need to use a proprietary weed control. So something like the Weed Free 360 applied now uh, will control briars um, and, and kill the root and all without uh, without affecting, um, you know, obviously you need to apply it onto the briars and then you can plant into that ground straight away afterwards. But it would be important to control them because they will spread through shrubs or hedging plants or uh, once you plant plants. So yeah, definitely. So d- it depends on the extent yes, of the. Right. If there's only a few, scuffle them out with the spade. Yeah. If not, you'll need to use a proprietary weed control so the weed weed free 360 will and again apply that on a dry day Okay, would you need to give more than one application? Not normally. No, normally, particularly at this time of year, they're actively growing. There's enough leaf colour cover on them at the moment. So the way the Wheat Free 360 works is through the foliage of the briar. So it's absorbed through the leaf, goes travels down into the root and kills the plant off. So generally one application is, is generally sufficient. Brilliant. Um, 
somebody is wondering what can be used to eradicate green fly on roses that will not harm the bees. Well, go for one of the organic insecticides. So you've got one made from grazers, which is actually made from garlic and works very effectively. Um, not only does it actually keep the, the bugs off the uh, green fly, it's great for slugs as well. So if people have hostas oh. and um, so the, a lot of the professional growers of hostas will use um, garlic juice or garlic liquid. So you can buy it in the form of grazers or um, a, a garlic concentrate. You simply mix it with water, you apply it onto the foliage of the hostas or the roses and um, that controls them. It's very oh. effective. Brilliant. Now, somebody's wondering, are all the blight-free potatoes gone? I would like to get some seeds. No, you could, they're still available. And remember, you can plant potatoes right through the month of May. And if anything, the soil conditions have dried up lovely uh, for the planting of potatoes. So varieties like the Sapra, Sapra Mira uh, or Sapra Una are um, blight-resistant. Vitabella is another lovely secondarily variety, which is um, blight-resistant. It's a really nice dry potato. So look for that one as well. Um, so yeah, still available um, so pop into your local garden centre we certainly have them in in our Turlock centre yeah super uh, now I have hornbeam hedging it's planted two years ago unfortunately a hair seems to be eating all the lower branches uh, will they recover any suggestions on how to help stop the hair Right. Well, and the hare as well. They, they will feed on young branches of, of trees, um, particularly in springtime. So, and, and if, if the hornbeams lose the bark entirely around the stem of the tree, mm. an odd branch at the base is no harm whatsoever. Now, obviously, you don't want it continuing because it'll be very bare at the base. But if the hare is actually damaging the central stem of the plant by eating the bark and wringing the tree, that tree will die. You can get tree guards. So a special spiral guard, it's a, it's a, 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 a it just like a spring, it, it wraps itself up along the main stem of the hornbeam tree and physically keeps the hair away from the area. Um, the treatment I mentioned with the garlic, the grazers, you can get one mm. specifically for uh, hairs as well that can be applied to plants. And again, once they, they eat it, it's, it's, it has calcium in, in the mix and uh, that again stops them nibbling at the branches but really you need some physical barrier to keep them away right. and the main thing is to protect the bark or the main stem of the, tr- the plant an odd branch is no harm whatsoever. Now uh, somebody's preparing to sow wild flowers and they're wondering is there any nature friendly shrubs that will stop slugs I think? Not really, no. There, there isn't. isn't. Okay. To, with the wildflower sowing. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, you can get organic uh, slug treatments. So there are, uh, believe it or not, organic pellets, which are um, very safe to use. They're pet and uh, bird friendly. They're child friendly as well. They're actually made from minerals. They're made from iron and um, phosphorus. So they're they're actually, when they return to the soil, they return as fertilizer. So that maybe is the way to, so look at, sow the wildflower seed. Generally slugs aren't that problematic on wild wildflowers as they're germinating, but if they are a small bit of the organic slug pellets, you'll get those in your local garden centre. They'll have the, orga- the organic symbol on the side of them. They're brilliant for for slugs and snails mm. in general in and ge- can be used safely at this time of year. They look like the traditional pellet, yeah. but they're non-chemical. They're non-chemical. Yeah, they're not a pesticide. Okay, great stuff. Now, we've got a couple of photographs in here of a camellia sent in nice and early this morning. Oh, it's looking a bit uh, sickly. From Kathleen, yeah. Yeah. So, Kathleen Mm. says, Hi, Porrick. Please help. What should I do with this camellia? It it flowers every year like this. Uh, Wondering, is it bud blast? I've tried many things with no success. I've no insects are visible. The growth beneath beneath it is ground cover geranium. It pains me to look at it. (laughs) Should I give up? 
on it. <laughs> well, look at just to describe it for listeners. So the plant itself, the leaves are a lot of the leaves are quite yellow and um, very hungry looking. Some of the branches are a little bit bare as well. But the flowers have come out; they've come into bloom, and what. Uh, Kathleen is seeing is actually the frost damage on the flower buds. So as the buds begin to open and we get late frost, um, you get this browning and, and discoloration of the, the flowers. You can see them there. Yes. Last year we had this as well because the frost was very late. So as camellias come into flower, if we get late frost, <clears throat> they, they physically get damaged like this and they, the petals go brown. Um, and, and unfortunately, apart from covering them with a bit of garden fleece, there's nothing really you can do with that. The tree itself is, is a little bit hungry. And do remember that camellias like an acid base soil um, so the, the geranium at the base which is competing with it as well so there's a, a, a few different factors going on I would maybe consider this autumn lifting the camellia maybe putting it into a large pot and growing it that way because you do need the, the lime free soil for them and um, they do quite well in pots and, and containers in large pots uh, but it's a matter of feeding the plant and really with the flower discoloration. There's nothing really you can do with that. That's just weather damage. It's frost, late frost damage. A spring where we won't have late frost, the flowers won't be as, as damaged as this. Yeah. Okay. But and it just it has a bit of competition and camellias, there. So camellias and any plant that's in flower at the moment, when you do get that heavy frost, uh, you get the staining. Rhododendrons get it as well. Okay, great. Um, now, where am I going here at all? I beg your pardon. Um, so, any suggestions as to what is the best bedding plants for baskets and pots? Um, well, asks Bridie. Well, Bridie could join me On this Wednesday. This Wednesday at 12.30 because I'll be physically showing you the plants and there are a couple of things that I'll be recommending uh, when you are planting up your hanging baskets and window boxes. Simple things like trimming them back before uh, you put them into the baskets because that will encourage lots of extra flowers on the plants. So I'll be actually physically showing um, a wide range of hanging basket plants that will give you lots of colour from early summer right through to late winter. So that's this Wednesday live on Midwest Radio Facebook page at 12.30. At 12.30. But look at plants like trailing petunias, nepeta, uh, bacopas, you know, you know, these names probably don't mean a lot to a lot of people. So it's better to see the physical plant and I'll be showing the, those live on the, on the programme. Brilliant. Now, mm. I have a goji berry plant oh, in my garden for about five to seven years, but I've never had a blossom or fruit. It's a fine, big, full bush, about two metres square. What can I do to get fruit? Yeah, and the goji berries produce these lovely red berries. They're often called the wolf berry as well. And, and it is a plant. It's not native to Ireland. It actually comes to us from Asia, of all places. So um, it's kind of a foreign import. Yeah. Now, having, having said all that, they are relatively easy to grow, but they actually grow better on poorish soils. You know, on, on the hungrier they are, no, I won't say the hungrier they are, but they dislike kind of, not dislike, but they tend to grow very vigorously on rich soils and hence do an awful lot of growing at the expense of flowering and fruiting. And this is what's happening in this in this instance. The plant is obviously doing really, really well, uh, but but failing to flower. And that's simply because it's, it's enjoying the soil it's in, it's growing really well, but it will settle down to flowering and fruiting. And you can encourage that by simply putting on sulfate potash uh, put it on now, repeat it again in midsummer, and that'll prepare it for next year. Uh, but gosha berries are easy to grow. We often grow them in pots and containers because in that confined space, it actually forces them into flower a little bit early. 
So they're like a raspberry. Yeah, I don't think, you know, I, I see them in supermarkets and they're, you get them they're dried in bags and I know, I think they probably have quite good uh, health, they well, do. you know, nutritional benefits they anyway. Do, yeah. Um, but I don't think I've ever seen... Uh, yeah, they're a fleshy, a very fleshy fruit, um, not dissimilar to a raspberry okay. in colour, but the fruit is, um, it's more like a, like a pepper, like a miniature little chilli or pepper. Oh. Yeah, orangey red in colour and it produces quite a, a heavy crop uh, on the berries. Um, you'll see them in places like the Phoenix Park will grow them in the in the fruit garden there. Yeah. Uh, I've seen them in the botanic gardens as well growing really well. But they are a plant um, by nature that dislike too much fertility. And uh, we'll not dislike it, but take advantage of it right. and do a lot of growing at the expense of that. Whereas if they're on a hungrier soil, they actually, it forces them into flowering yeah. and fruiting earlier. Now the sulphate of potash tricks plants into doing that as well. So you'll always hear me recommending potash for fruiting and flowering mm. plants. So in a tomato feed, for example, there's high potassium because that's the element that induces flowering and fruiting in plants and builds a, bit, builds a strength into the plant as well. So you'll get in your local garden centre a little box of sulphate of potash, it's granulated feed, simply sprinkle it around the base of the goji berry, repeat it in about six weeks' time, and that just slows down the growth and forces the plant into stop growing and, and it'll trigger it to, to come into flower. Okay, brilliant. Well, the best. Yeah, and best once it flowers, it'll, 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 they're self-fertile. They'll okay, you don't, berries you, you themselves, don't need yeah. two plants or anything like <clears throat> no, that? No, no, you don't, no. Okay, fantastic. That Goja sounds berry, yeah. really interesting. Love to hear mm. how you get well, on. There's lots of fruits that. like that, like tayberry and loganberries that we generally don't grow in Ireland, but yeah. they're super easy to grow, as okay. easy as raspberries. Now, mm. we've got a picture of uh, a rose here, Porik. Yeah, it's in a pot. Uh, that's kind of the pot part It's, it's of it. a standard, yeah, what okay. we call a standard rose. Yeah. So, uh, good morning, guys. I got this rose on my daughter's wedding day lovely. two years ago. Brilliant. Lovely. I don't know what, don't want to lose it. It's pretty shabby looking at the moment. I've given it a rose feed. Can you advise me, please? Okay, well, Magella, the, 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 so the plant we're looking at is, it hasn't been pruned back. And I think a lot of roses probably still haven't got a, a haircut at this stage. So look, at the first thing to do is to prune the growth back. So it's roughly about a foot. So it's a standard rose standing about three feet out of the pot with the central uh, new growth at the very top. And that just needs to be pruned back because that's going to stimulate some new growth. The fact that Magella has fed the rose is perfectly fine. It's in a pot. So as it kicks back into growth uh, after pruning, um, which it will, uh, it'll it'll be perfectly fine give it a no, an occasional application of the rose clear a rose rescue and that'll keep it fine remember the growth is slow this year the frosts haven't been helping so growth on roses is really just starting and um so don't be like the plant is perfectly healthy so prune it back you've already given it a feed and just allow the growth to come back in as as normal okay so that's a standard rose yeah. in the pot and this is uh, a rose bush in the ground uh, and wondering should looks i like cut a climbing the, rose it's okay so should it's I, against a wall so it's, it's planted here a, against a wall okay and it's mm. is a the leaves are a bit hungry looking on it are they yeah and it needs a little bit of a tidy up as well a bit of pruning back so generally speaking if you haven't pruned your roses prune them please this weekend and feed them uh, with the rain coming. So this plant could again could be shortened back by at least a third. Um, any thin shoots, anything thinner than pencil thickness should be pruned a little bit harder back. Any dead wood removed as well. But the plants are perfectly healthy. Like it's a really good specimen and it looks to me like a climbing rose. It's about three feet high at the moment. So shorten a third of the branches back. Take out any weak branches or dead branches. Give it a good rose feed. Repeat that once a month and it'll be 
perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Yeah, it'll okay. be another three or four feet taller this year. Okay, great. Now we have oh some lovely yellow flowers yeah. here for the day that's in it. Any idea what this plant is called? Is it for indoors? Asks Anne in Castle Bar. So Anne, keep it indoors. So this is Calancio, the indoor plant. Um, so again, it's it's got that kind of waxy, succulent-like leaf. Um, so it needs to be kept indoors. You could put it out anytime, kind of from early June onwards in a pot or container. But at this time, keep it in inside the frost will kill it. And there's some fantastic Calancio. yellow flowers there. I mean, does it always have that level of flowering? Oh, it, it flowers brilliantly and, and Calancio's flower for a very, very long time. They'll often stay in flower for up to six months, seven months of the yeah, year. Um, they come in shades of orange, red, pink, white. Really, really simple plant to grow. Okay. But it is a frost tender plant, so we generally grow it in, indoors it can be growing out outdoors for the summer like a geranium and taken back then in the autumn, taken back inside. Now, question in from Pat about begonias, Porrick. I'm wondering what fertiliser can I add to the day when I'm replanting my begonias to bigger pots? Well, if you, if Pat is using the kind of traditional uh, multi-purpose compost, there's actually enough nutrition in that. Like begonias really are, are still relatively small. Remember to keep them inside. They are frost sensitive. Um, repotting them into big pots. I would just get a good quality multi-purpose compost. The Bordnemona, one of the grow-wise composts would be ideal. There's enough nutrition in that to feed it for another six weeks. And really, Pat, I wouldn't bother feeding it until you're actually planting them out into the soil in June, late May or early June. So leave and use a proprietary tomato feed or Bloomy Magic or one of the liquid feeds at that time of year. Okay, brilliant. Uh, sorry, I just want to acknowledge the most beautiful photograph sent in uh, before nine o'clock, which I hadn't spotted. Uh, good morning from Acres Newport, it says, and it is just glorious. It's absolutely gorgeous. It Look at the cam, cam, the cam sea. The cam yeah. sea, cam sky, yeah. absolutely Beautiful. fab. Now, uh, do bluebells multiply, Porrick? Sure I seem do. to have too many of them this year. <laughs> Well, they sure do. And, and bluebells can be become a bit of a uh, problem, a bit like our friends, the um, the wild garlic, okay. the ransoms. Uh, we often get questions in with those as well. So bluebells spread by underground bulbs, first and foremost, like most bulb plants. They'll actually produce little offsets or bulblets and uh, spread that way, forming really thick clumps. But they'll also spread by seed. So they produce their seed. Now, if you want to stop them from um, self-seeding, once the flowers go off, they're in flower at the moment, they're beautiful at the moment, but once the flowers go off, trim off the old flowers. Don't trim too much of the foliage, but just literally deadhead the old flowers and that'll stop the production of seed and stop them spreading uh, to other areas. So they'll just form nice thick clumps. And again, if you want to uh, spread your bluebird, bluebells as it were if you wanted to make more clumps of them again once they go out of flower it's a great time to dig them up split them into several pieces and replant them into other areas if you've say a woodland area they do very well in shade and tolerate shade very well or you could use them as part of a wildflower mix you know so that the bluebells are flowering at this time of year and your wildflowers then are coming so if you had a wildflower meadow add a few bluebells in there would be lovely as well. And you so, get a bit of early colour. Yeah, so and this is a good time as well if you want to move daffodils. So if daffodils have gone out of flower now, they're beginning to die back. And again, if you wanted to introduce those maybe into a wildflower area because you get that lovely spring uh, colour. But to stop the bluebells from spreading, simply remove the flowers after fading and once they fade in about three, four weeks' time. And... Um, and that'll stop them. 
Great. Uh, now, can you grow cherry blossoms by taking a slip from it? No. Uh, well, the, the, all cherry... Chal- it's a challenge, is it? It's a challenge. They can be very difficult to root from cuttings. Now, having said that, um, we have native Irish cherries like Prunus avium. They're the single flowering white cherry that produce seed. They produce a little berry and that, that produces um, wild cherries, which will self-seed. So you can sow them from seed, uh, certainly. They can be challenging from cuttings. Now, you, they'll still root from cuttings taken in October November but can be can be very slow to root and generally uh, cherry trees that you see the likes of Prunus Kansan or Charité they're grafted onto a rootstock that controls the growth of the tree so generally we propagate cherries by um, grafting uh, but having said that the single flowering varieties like Prunus avium will grow from seed or indeed you could try cuttings in October November Okay. Now, uh, we have oh, some really lovely photographs here. Oh, this is a lovely here. plant. Yeah, it's one uh, of my favourites. Brilliant. So yeah. the question to go with this, Porik, is hi, my mum used to have this hardy perennial in her garden years ago but I can't seem to find it in any garden centres. Would you be able to give a little advice on it, please? And also uh, would you have any recommendations for a good garden hoe? I know you're a fan of the garden hoe. Uh, well, the best <laughs> the garden hoe that I have uh, is is one made by Wolf. It's it's a uh, now unfortunately they're difficult. I shouldn't be mentioning them because people will go looking for them now but they're difficult to get because of Brexit right. at the moment but it's a it's a German made hoe called Wolf as in Wolf and uh, I have mine for 13 or 14 years now and it gets a spin out nearly every week or every every couple of weeks anyway um, but it's a really really good garden hoe so look for that one uh, Wolf Garden Hoe when you when you glide it across the soil surface and you pull it back it's cutting the, the, weeds, the weeds and it and it's very simple to use it's a really really good product so that's the wolf garden hole um this particular plant yep. is a beautiful plant called mimulus okay so it's, mimulus. it's beautiful yellow flowers bell kind of flowers with some red almost like as if red speckled paint has yeah. been splattered on it like little speckles mm. of, of of red coloration on the flower yeah so it's a plant called mimulus very easy to grow it starts flowering at this time of year it is a perennial um so it comes back it tends to die back for the winter and come back uh, again next year again and it, it tends to spread it's actually a if you put it in a rock rear border it will actually spread across the ground so ask in your local garden centre for the mimulus plant or it's often called the musk flower as well m-u-s-k flower uh, but a real old cottage garden plant so you know it's people would have it from memories of their grandmothers or their mothers because uh, it's one of those real easy it's the sort of plant that you'd give a piece to somebody else do you know okay, what I mean? It's, a, share, take a, it's piece, a sharing plant. It's a sharing plant because it grows so easily that you can literally just t- take a piece from the soil and it'll just regrow oh, they're again. Won- they're wonderful. So that's the mimulus. The yeah. mimulus. Uh, gladioli bulbs, people wondering, can they plant those now? Yeah, if you've any of the summer flowering bulbs like lilies or gladioli, get them into the ground straight away. And gladioli are frost hardy, so literally plant them down into the garden soil. Put them in clusters of maybe five or six bulbs spaced about three inches apart and put them at least... Five, four or five inches beneath the soil and they'll be absolutely terrific. I love the old gladiola. Ah, they're great. They're so proud the yeah. way they stand there. Brilliant cut flower as well. Uh, want to add some red burgundy coloured shrubs to my garden. Okay. I've red robins and a hebe with red tones. What else can you suggest? Now they need to be fairly hardy. We do get a good sea breeze slash wind. Okay. Uh, well they've got Fortinio already so they're obviously doing well for them. So red foliage plants and I often think that garden shrubs that offer leaf colour in particular 
offer the colour at least seven, eight months of the year if they're mm-hmm. deciduous. And then others like Pittosporum Tom Thumb, which is beautiful purple dillisk colour foliage 12 months of the year so it's a really dark nearly black purple in colour but at this time of year the young growth is an apple green so you get that lovely contrast of colour between the young growth and the older growth and Pittosporum Tom Thumb will grow particularly well in seaside areas it tolerates the salt really well it's got a kind of a very waxy leaf so that's one I'd certainly plant so Pittosporum Tom Thumb you've got another plant called the smoke bush Cotinus Cogigria so Cotinus, um, again, very dark purple leaves, quite a large leaf on the plant, um, but really deep purple as well. And again, it holds, it's just coming into leaf at the moment and it will tra- retain the leaf. And the leaf on Cotinus actually colours beautifully in the autumn. We call it the smoke bush as well, because mm. when it comes into flower, it's like puffs of smoke are sitting above the plant. It's very okay. unusual. So that's Cotinus cogigria or the smokebush plant or Cotinus, Pittosporum tom tom. There are various varieties of Berberus, both dwarf varieties like Bagatelle um, or taller varieties that have that lovely purple foliage mm-hmm. as well. And again, they're coming into leaf. They're actually in leaf at the moment and they'll retain the purple colour till November. So my advice is pop into your local garden centre. There are plenty of good uh, foliage plants with dark purple colour um, that can be planted at this time of year. Okay, brilliant. Dutzia is another one, the lovely purple-leafed Dutzia. So, and they're all relatively hardy. That Particularly if the Fortinia red robin is growing well for this listener, all of those that I mentioned will do really it's well as well. It's in that yeah. area. Yeah. Uh, now, wondering about parsnip and uh, turnip seeds, Porig, um, mm. can they be started in seed trays? It says on the packets, so directly into the ground. Always better sown directly into the garden soil any of the root crops because if if there's any disturbance to the root you get forking or you get twisted um, stems of carrots and parsnips so generally they're better direct sown into the garden soil. Now, having said that, if you did sow them in seed trays and then transplant them out of doors, they will grow, but they'll become, you need to harvest them like young carrots when they're, you know, kind of mid to late summer. So harvest them quite young and you will find that the the roots will tend to be twisted and contorted. They certainly wouldn't make any supermarket shelf, let's put it that way, in terms of quality. But they will taste lovely. They'll taste perfectly fine. They're totally edible. So if you want, you can certainly start them in trays, but remember they will be distorted and disfigured to a certain degree but they will grow if you want the really long uh, parsnip and, ter- and uh, carrot the traditional sow them the traditional way sow the seed directly into the garden soil what I find works really well is when you're opening the drill for the seed put some potting compost regular multi-purpose peat compost into the drill and sow the seed then directly into that and you get a far more even and consistent germination if it's done that way. So the compost makes it easier for the seed to germinate and for the young radical root to start penetrating into the soil. So it kind of cushions. It's a, it's a, it's a softer... Uh, it's like putting it in a duvet. Right, okay. It's a, it's a, it's a gentler, a it's gentler a ge- introduction into the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a little bit of compost into the drill, sow the seed, cover it over, and you get a farm more successful germination rate on parsnip and carrots by doing that. But direct sowing is always better. Okay, super. Uh, What's the best feed to put on forest flames, hydrangeas and laurels? Well, for a, as a multi-purpose feed, um, the Osmo Pro 6 is very good. You apply it now and particularly, as I mentioned, do it this weekend if you can before the rain comes on Monday. Um, so, so Osmo Pro 6 and repeat that in about six weeks' time. So generally we feed shrubs late April, early May and we feed them again in the middle of June because they're actively growing at that time of year and then 
they start to slow down the, after that. Now, uh, I have a query read daffodils. I planted a large bag of daffodils in two large containers, about a metre by two metres, in compost Great. two years ago. Excellent. This year had loads of greenery and only a few flowers. Is there anything I can do to guarantee a better crop next year, asks Elizabeth. Okay, well, um, so daffodils, what you'll find with daffodils at the moment is that they're getting taller. They start to actually grow once they stop flowering so you get that initial growth they flower and then the leaves get longer because they're the leaves are basically photosynthesizing they're building up the bulb for next year so the daftas are producing the energy to swell the bulb before july so at this time of year you should be feeding your daftas with a liquid feed so a tomato feed blooming magic miracle grow any of those liquid feeds applied every two weeks for the next six weeks to build them up as they're dying back and that will swell the bulbs and the daffodils actually produce their flower embryo in mid to late summer of this year so however well they grow over the next six weeks determines how well they'll flower for Elizabeth next year. Okay great so we're going to turn back to a couple of photographs Um we've got um, some kind of a shrub I think uh, it's kind it's of a ma- dark leaf thing yeah. down near the basis of it. <laughs> okay so these are planted um, two years ago this is their second year says the listener I'd hope they'd be bigger by now would you have any suggestions yeah and they don't see what they are the photograph is too far back back. yeah they're Um, kind of in sort of no they're actually doing containers yeah I would just go in again close to that one it looks like honeysuckle to me um, but there's look at the some weeds at the basins get rid of those the plants are doing fine they're producing lots of fresh growth remember it's only it, well, I was going to say it's only April it's, it's only, only the 1st of, of May yeah. and, and growth is still very slow but the plants are very healthy give them a feed and they'll be perfectly fine it looks to me like a, a, a climbing honeysuckle and um, and it is planted there kind of next to a fence so it is, that yeah. might be the plan yeah, and to let it grow up along the fence. But a little bit of feeding now and again, repeat the feed in six weeks' time, that'll that'll push it on. Now, um, how soon should I feed a new hedge after planting? Well, generally speaking, you'd put down a little bit of feed um, when you're planting the hedge. So again, using something like the, the Osmo Pro 6 again when you're planting the hedge. Having said that, you can plant the hedge and then put a, a handful of the feed on it now this weekend and repeat it again in five or six weeks time. So if you're planting laurel or grisselini or any of the traditional hedges, they're all pretty hungry feeders. So feed them now, simply sprinkle it on the top of the soil, the rain will wash it in on Monday and uh, repeat in five or six weeks time. Okay, another photograph in of a fairly bare looking tree, Porrick. It's a magnolia, we're told it's two years old. It's not doing well. It was in flower when I planted it, but has not flowered since. Last year it was slow to lead and never really thrived. This year it's very slow to bud and it seems to be struggling. I live in a windy location beside the sea. Any help would be appreciated, said Anne. And Anne is in Westport. And, and you need, to, and that's the problem. The wind is, is, you know, magnolias are a tree that need shelter. The young growth is very, very soft. There's actually quite a bit of dead wood uh, now that you've zoomed in on, it, on that tree. So mm. anything that's dead or brittle needs to be pruned back and taken off um, and I would move it and even there's no leaf on it you could safely move it today or tomorrow dig it up and transplant it to a more sheltered location so it's it's the it's the the exposure that's causing Doesn't the problem work. with the magnolia so uh, yeah move it okay now and, here's and they do require a slightly acid soil it's a bit of ericaceous compost with it uh, great. Wow, now isn't that we have a yeah. We go from something very bare to something uh, incredibly uh, colourful altogether. Yeah. Uh, Highbury, should I plant this in the ground if I can get it out of the pot? Yeah. 
The answer is yes. So it's a rhododendron. Um, oh, a beautiful, it's a stunner. Uh, rhododendron in flower. I mean, it must be Pale a metre high. Yeah, they're Pale fab. pink, yeah, full of colour. So what I would do is enjoy the flowers now. Keep it well watered, uh, particularly when it's in flower. So kind of water at least once a week. And uh, yes, it's 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 probably had its last year in the pot so I would move it on into into the garden soil or into a, a larger container. Do remember it will require lime-free soil yeah. so put down plenty of ericaceous feed with it uh, and, and compost with it when you're planting it but definitely move it on this year. Okay. It's probably flowering so well because the pot is becoming a little restrictive and that kind of was what the point I was making about the goji berry or you know plants when they come a little bit confined and restricted in a pot trigger themselves into flowering they're trying to reproduce so that yeah that they're just a little bit under pressure yeah um was somebody wondering will it be okay to move laurel plants today to a different spot in the garden the plants will be out for no more than a minute or two each <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I like your enthusiasm. <laughs> well, look, it, it depends on the age of the plant, first of all. Now, I, I was moving plants yesterday myself, so I, I, um, and I'm going to finish it off today. So, yes, I would I would move them. Be careful uh, just to take as much of the root ball as possible and ideally kind of move them straight away. Don't let the air dry the roots and they'll, they'll, be, they'll be fine. Give them a good watering after transplanting them. Maybe tip them back a little bit as well, trim the tops of them back a little bit. Okay, so we have a... But get the move this weekend. And again, the rain coming Monday will will absolutely suit this perfect. We have a question on how we spell the names of, I think, the plants we, we were talking about at the very start, the ones you've brought into the studio. Oh, the, the yeah. calcellarias. The, yes, the calcellarias. Calci- so the balloon plant, I think, is yeah. the calcellaria. I'm, I'm actually going to look at the label to spell yeah. it. Because C-A-L, I think. C-A-L, C-E-O-L-A-R-I-A, calcellaria. Oh, yeah. So it's called the slipper flower or the balloon flower. Lovely little thing. And Lovely the other one plant. was a manisa. Um, uh, oh, the other plant nemesia, was called was nemesia. Yeah. yeah, so nemesia. Um, and this is a scented, a beautiful scented plant. So it's any any. N-E-M-E-S-I-A, um, Nemesia, and um, really super easy plant to, to grow. It's probably one of the plants I'll feature on Wednesday. The scent is absolutely gorgeous. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, what do we put onto uh, the soil to stop the turnips from turning brown inside? Okay. Yeah, so what you, what you need to get is a, a fertiliser called Vitex Q4. It's a very good fertiliser for all vegetable plants, not just swades and turnips. So swades and turnips suffer from boron deficiency, which is a, a browning of the centre of the plant. So all you simply do is rake the soil, get your Vitex Q4, rake it into the soil and then sow your seed and add a little bit of the, um, the Vitex then later on in about four or five weeks time as the turnips are developing and that'll stop the bo- the, the boasting or the boron deficiency. Okay. So Vitex Q4 and you can use it on other vegetables as well. Great. Now we have a picture of a hedge. Good, 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 uh, healthy hedge there by the looks yeah, of things. Yeah, it's a gristlinia hedge. Um, yeah. If I cut it in half, if I cut in a half foot or more of this hedge, will it grow back to green again and a foot off the top? Oh, so we just want to bring it back a little bit all no around. No problem whatsoever. And and this is the time of year to do it. Uh, so you can safely cut gristlinia back by two or three feet and shorten in. Now it will look a bit a bit bare for, for at least six weeks. Mm. Um, and once you prune it, give it a feed and and it'll produce lots of new growth again. So, and this today, this weekend would be an ideal time to do that. 
Fantastic. And we also have a photograph, I think, from the same listener who says, Happy Mayo Day. Happy Mayo Day to you. Uh, of a plant out of the ground. I moved this shrub a few days ago to another part of the lawn. Was it too late and will it survive? Yeah, and look, at generally speaking, it would be too late. You know, normally we'd like to move plants mm. up till the end of March, the early part of April. The season is late this year. So, you know, I would still encourage people, if you have to move a plant, like I was moving um, Agapanthus yesterday and I was splitting them up and, and dividing them and, and moving them. Um, so, you know, it, ideally this should be done earlier than this, but because the season is so late this year that if you have to transplant something, do it this weekend right. if you can. Um, and that's uh, your, But that's your cut-off point. Yeah, and keep it, keep it well watered and, and just keep an eye on it for, for the next couple of weeks. Now, this is the question, I think, this is the photograph to go with the question oh, at the it? very okay. start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the Brilliant. house plant that well, had the, that had the dry, drying leaves. Yeah, I see it on the but edges. There, yeah, we can see it yeah. a little bit there as we zoom in, in into it. So, yeah. Yeah, so, so this... Lovely plant. This, it's a plant called Calathea. Calathea, there's lots of them in, in different varieties of it and it's got lovely variegated um, foliage, so dark green with kind of a white stripe through it. Um, so, so the outer leaves are scorched. Now, it looks to me like it's either uh, the plant has been in a very, very dry area, so somewhere maybe close to central heating that's drying the edges of, of the leaves, or the listener is just overwatering the plant, is giving it too much water. It is a plant that likes to be kept on the dry side, so you allow the leaves or the compost nearly to dry out between watering. So those very large leaves that are damaged, I would cut those out, just trim them out completely. The young leaves will be perfectly fine, that'll come on, um, and try to keep the soil slightly drier than I'd suggest it is at the moment. So less watering. Okay. And we're going to end on this one. Um, so we have somebody in the Mulrani area that picked up these red robins during the week. So we have a photograph of the red robins in the container. Yep. Uh, just wondering where to put them. Should I split them up and plant them separately or keep them as a hedge? Uh, asks the listener. So we've got, we've got a picture of their garden, which is lovely. And there's obviously, there's lots of sheltered areas in the garden yeah. here. So oh, wow. Mulrani, you're contending with the salt, with the wind. Um, now that area there where it has, they have an area where there's Pierre as far as flame growing um, and, and other plants, that's a, a really sheltered area. That somewhere in that vicinity would be ideal. There's l large sleeper fence in the back of it that's obviously giving shelter. Yep. So for Fatinia red robin, it requires, it love growing in Mulrani, but it requires requires uh, shelter. shelter. So that's the key thing, to give it relative shelter. You can be pruned back, you can manage the height of it, so you, if you wish, you can keep it to five or six feet um, by pruning it back every year or a couple of times a year, but it needs the shelter. I would split up the plants, so there, there's about four plants in the trough, simply split them up into the four individual plants, give them a light trimming back, plant them into the garden soil, somewhere sheltered, and then you know, happy days. Happy they'll, days. They'll, they'll grow really well. Brilliant. We're going to end on that note, Porrick. So do remember you can join me live um, this Wednesday, 12.30 on Midwest Radio Facebook page. And uh, if people want to be reminded of that, simply go onto the Facebook page now, like the page, and you'll be reminded as we go live from my garden next Wednesday, 12.30. Okay. And uh, hopefully we'll have a great day. I'd say you'll have a great day. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Uh, that's it from us for now, though, uh, in advance of Wednesday. Have yourselves a really good weekend. Michael Neary coming your way next here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday, Mayo Day. Uh, the very best in country right through until one o'clock. From me, Deirdre Kelly, for now, good morning to you.